Hello and welcome to Keanu Club. Like a cool breeze over the mountains, this is episode 72, To the Bone, from 2017. I'm Mike Manzi. And I'm Joey Lewandowski, and with us today, first time that Mike and I have done this, two guests on the program. This is super exciting. First up, we have Dan Colon, who runs our Twitter, at Cage Club Pod. Hello, Dan. Hey, hey. How are you doing tonight? Doing pretty good. Pretty good. Excited to be here. I am excited to talk about this movie with you. You sort of came into the family, the Cage Club family, a little bit late, and I don't know why we didn't add you in, but then you're like, hey, well, I'll run your Twitter. Hey, I'll do some podcasts. I saw that you guys were online and doing the whole the, the Cage Club show and then Keanu Club, and I secretly wanted to be on the show really bad, but I didn't know how to ask, so I was glad that you reached out and uh, brought me into the yeah, fold. We had you in mind for some Cage stuff, but that just, everything just went so quickly, and then again with Keanu it happened, but I'm glad we could get you on for what's going to be the final episode in Phase 1 of Yes, club, and we'll have you back for the next whatever we do next a couple times too. And the weird thing that I want to point out is that I don't know how this worked out, but we had 72 Cage episodes in the first phase, and we have 72 Keanu episodes in the first phase. So if that's not fate, I don't know what fate is. It might be fate. Also with us today, very, very special guest. We found her on Twitter. She has her own Keanu Club coming all the way from the West Coast, Darcy DeBose. Hello, Darcy. Hello. Did I say your last name right? You did, actually, yes. It's not difficult, but I was still really worried in my head about saying it wrong. <sighs> well, it probably was pronounced more French, like, decades and decades ago, but yes, you said it correctly. Dubois? Yes, that's originally how it goes, but mm. they changed the spelling, and now it's a little bit butchered. I gotcha. So why don't you tell us about your own Keanu Club? So it kind of just came about as a friend of mine. We sort of discovered this like secret mutual love we had for Keanu and then just sort of devoted ourselves to watching all of his movies and kind of was just like, let's start this Keanu Club. And it was just me and her. And I was like super excited to be able to just make merch for it. So I like made these Keanu buttons for us, which was just silly at the time. And then it kind of grew a little bit where like I kind of did some stickers and pins and just put them, I made them initially just because I wanted them. Because yep. I thought they were cute. I mean, I d- did like small batches because it's such a niche thing that I was just like, nobody else is even going to care about Keanu. <laughs> but like I put it out there and it was a little overwhelming how many people were like just as obsessed and sort of like appreciative of him as I was. So it's kind of turned into this little like merch business that I've been running along with my other illustrative stuff to sort of just like make a bunch of Keanu appreciation stuff. And that's kind of where it is right now. And your store is on Etsy, right? Yeah. So it's just, it's under my name on Etsy. It's just Darcy Dubose. But if you search Keanu, I'll definitely come up. Um, And I have co-opted your hashtag a little bit on Twitter, (laughs) but um, I'm mostly on Instagram. So the Keanu Club Instagram hashtag is mostly me. So that can see a lot of my stuff there. Yeah, we don't dabble there. We're pretty bad on the social media front. That's why Dan is here to help us get better (sighs) in there. Mike and I did Cage. We're just like, yeah, let's just, you know, we don't need a Facebook page. We'll just put it on iTunes. Just sort of whatever. And then eventually we're like, we should probably tell people about this this kind of stuff and it's growing yeah we weren't sure if that was just a one-shot podcast and then when we decided to do Keanu it's like oh let's like start taking this a little more seriously and bump up our social media presence but we're super excited to have you here I unknowingly or forgot that I promised both of you that you could do this movie (laughs) and so we're we're coordinating the timing I was like oh right so let's get all four of us on here to talk about a movie that Keanu's barely in 
It's yeah. perfect. <laughs> well, yeah, we're kind of ending it with a bit of a whimper this this phase, but that's okay. Let's overload this episode for the movie that he's barely in. Perfect logic. I did just listen to you guys do Neon Demon, and like he's really barely in that one, but I feel like he's got such a good presence in that movie and in this movie. He's very strong, I feel like, so... I didn't feel like he was missing in any way. But. I do think that he's the best part of this movie because he feels like real and grounded and direct and honest in a way that nobody else is because they're all sort of damaged, broken people in one way or another. And they're all sort of lying to the world and lying to themselves. And he's there literally to say, let's cut the bullshit out. Fuck the voice yeah. in your head. Let's just get better. And it's this directness that like, I don't think we've seen really a lot of Keanu, especially not in this sort of like, what should be or could be like a gentler role. Mm -hmm. I like that he's so in your face about like, let's get you better. Let's get you healthy. Yeah. Yeah. He's always been able to play sort of assertive characters, you know, whether he's like a cop or something like that. I mean, he's played doctors before, but it's never been this down to earth. And I feel like you're right. He, he's had trouble playing unextraordinary roles in the past, but I feel like he's pulled this one off very well and uh, that this actually fits him pretty nicely. And it seems to really, when she's like sort of quizzing him about who he is, I mean, he's pretty much describing Keanu himself to where he's like not married, no kids, like work obsessed. So I feel like it, it, it really is sort of like Keanu almost playing himself. This movie stars Lily Collins, who's been in a couple things that I've seen. She's also in Okja, the new Netflix movie. So she's actually in, that's weird that she's in two of Netflix's big, maybe Netflix's two biggest movies to date so far, right? That she's, you know, she's got a small part in Okja, but she's the star here. Was this ever destined for theaters? Because I feel like this is only the second or third straight-to-video Keanu movie. Well, so yeah, so this was at Sundance, and Netflix bought it for $8 million. I think it's it's hard to say this is straight-to-video because, like, Netflix wants to be a theater alternative. So it's not like Cage where he's doing things that are going to wind up in a, a bargain bin somewhere. It's like this other sort of hybrid middle ground. Right. Brad Pitt has a movie on Netflix, but he doesn't have, like, a direct-to-DVD movie yet. <laughs> and our boy David Ayer is doing the movie later this year with Will Smith that Netflix, I think, paid 100 Like, the budget's $100 million or yeah, something? Yeah, the Max Landis script. Yeah, so that's, I mean, they're, they're, it's a weird middle ground, so it's not quite straight-to-home video. So, Dan, I have a question for you. The One of the first podcasts that I know you listened to of ours was the Something's Gotta Give episode, yeah. where Keanu is also a doctor, and I was very against that movie in just about every way. And you sort of came to the defense of our guest, Tobin Addington's side in terms of that. So how do you think, because he's a doctor in both these movies, he's a dentist in that movie Thumbsucker, but that's sort of the only time he's dabbled in this. I think he's better in this, but like, where does that stuck up to you as sort of a soft Something's Gotta Give defender? Sure. Okay. Don't mean to put you on the spot here. No, I, I didn't want to interrupt you guys before because you guys all seem to really enjoy what Keanu brought to this role in uh, To the Bone. And I'm sort of the outlier a little bit in that I feel like he was miscast. I say that because he can clearly play a doctor. You know, I, I love his character in Something's Gotta Give, even if that movie is not necessarily for me. I think he played that role pretty well. And then, so I'm watching this movie, and I know he's the doctor going into it. 
and everyone's sort of making this big deal about how he's unconventional. He's just kind of like this, this weird guy who can fix these broken people. And, you know, you, the first time you see him, he's sitting behind his desk and he's got the world's okayest doctor mug. And I'm like, that's cool detail. But as far as the character, I felt like he was really just Keanu. And there wasn't much unconventional about him. Like, I kind of was expecting the doctor from Something's Gotta Give. Somebody who's a little more friendly and is going to sort of find the center of these people and figure them out in a gregarious sort of way, or uh, avuncular sort of way, rather. And in this particular role, I felt like he was, you know, between John Wick's maybe, and was just kind of being Keanu, and that was kind of it. I was a little bit disappointed with what he brought to this particular character. And maybe it worked, but for all the hype, for all the talk of all these other characters saying that he's this unconventional guy... I didn't get that from him. I hear you there a little more now looking back on the film. You're right. I didn't realize, you know, how much they sort of hyped him. And then his introduction is just like, she's just there behind a desk. But even for his character, yeah, his dentist in Thumbsucker was like this weirdo hippie, like hypnotist jogger enthusiast. So like, I feel like we even got more backstory for his character in Thumbsucker than we do here, now that Dan is sort of like bringing all this up. I, I was just sort of relieved to see him not be bad, I guess. Like, it was just, like, that's what it came to for me, pretty much. Like, I've seen him do so much, so much worse. So I was just relieved. He, he was totally fine, and it, and, it, and it sort of worked for the movie that he was in. But, you know, everyone kind of makes a big deal about this different sort of approach that he's got. And then when we meet him, I didn't get any of that. And, you know, I'm not expecting him to be Patch Adams, you know, kind of wacky and goofy. You know, that's the other extreme. But I expected him to bring something to that particular character. Instead, what I got was just kind of Keanu coasting through a movie before the next John Wick or whatever his next project is. I think we get sort of a warning a little bit in this movie when Lily Collins checks into that house after she meets him for the first time and her stepmom is like oh is the doctor here and retta great retta i was so happy when i saw retta in this she was like uh no he's just here in the mornings and sometimes after dinner hey you know keanu's in this movie like we're just not gonna see him a whole lot so i was just like oh that's kind of a bummer because the only other guy in this movie is the british ballet dancer who's fine (laughs) but fine is a strong word for (sighs) he's there Oh, no. What's kind of a rough character and sort of like, a, I feel like at some point this movie didn't have a romance in it at all. And then they're like, hey, let's add a, a forced romance between Lily Collins and this guy yes. and then have them kiss and then have yes. her freak out. Mm, yeah. Yep. Yeah. And that would have been a better version. Yeah, I almost expected the romance to come from the outside, like like her boyfriend would be breaking her out of the house from time to time or something. Never did I ever fall for her falling for that guy. I was just going to say, I almost expected there to be no romance because it was almost like he was just so enamored with her, with her art, that it almost seemed like it was going to be this... He kept telling it that he everyone was his muse, and so it just seemed like she was going to be another <laughs> muse and less of, like, an actual love interest. So it's like when he revealed that he's been in love with... He's known her for two years or whatever. That's creepy as a female to hear some guy tell you that he's known you and you're like, I've literally just met you. So I felt like the romance was very forced. 
exist. Yes. In that way, for sure. It's also a romance fueled by Tumblr in a movie that came yes. out this year that would that missed the Tumblr mark by like four or five years. I don't understand some parts of this movie. Like, I don't think it's bad. I think it's fine. And like Mike was saying, there's a lot worse that we've seen for this. I think this is somewhere in the middle. And I think that Keanu's pretty good in this. But like, I just, I feel like this script has been kicking around for a few years. I can tell that it's a very, very personal story because yeah. the writer-director Marty Noxon, who created a whole bunch of shows, wrote on Buffy for a while, created Unreal, which is great. Uh, she suffered from eating disorders when she was a teenager. So did Lily Collins. So I can tell that it's personal to her. And I feel like it might have just been kicking around to find someone who wanted to take a chance on it, someone like Netflix. But I don't know why Tumblr is still in here because nobody <laughs> like that's not like I don't know. Like, I don't want it to be updated like Snapchat, but like do some like make it more modern in that way. It could have just been a regular blog. Like they didn't have yeah. to. They didn't have to name check Tumblr. They could have just said the blog that <laughs> yeah. you had. And they do it more than once to where, like, mm-hmm. even in the roundabout, she just like whispers Tumblr. Yeah. Like, they, when she's like the girl on the internet, and he, she's like corrects them and just like, no, it was on Tumblr. Okay, guys. Yeah. Yeah. It feels like there's a couple movies kicking around here. There's the main one that I was ready for, which was sort of the the anorexia movie, the body image film. Uh, And then there's like this weird online bullying sort of like, or something going on with like the internet is dangerous going on with her and her art. I feel like they needed to streamline that. Definitely. She just could have been a painter or an art, you know, like a normal artist or something and still had an obsessed fan. And then I guess because like to lighten it up, they must have kicked in that role romance late in the game you know like i I really i'm feeling it now like if that wasn't in there we could have gotten so much more in depth with the you know the real issues you know instead it sort of just feels like sidetracked like we're getting away from the point and here's the thing that bugs me is that because they threw that romantic subplot into the movie it takes away from keanu in that a lot of the progress that lily collins's character makes is because of Lucas, as opposed to Keanu. Yeah. And I'm like, he's the doctor. He's the one who's supposed to be fixing this problem or helping her figure out how to fix this problem. But it's all sort of distilled down to Lucas is this annoying and then sort of (laughs) and then sort of charming young man who can relate to her and then does a lot of that groundwork instead of Keanu. It undermines all of the the seriousness of the movie by turning it into a sort of like young adult romance, and I thought it was a completely unnecessary. Well, what was weird is that I was looking on IMDb, and this is listed like before I watched it, and it's listed as a comedy and a drama, and I was like, that seems like an odd decision for this kind of movie. But I guess that's like they need to lighten it up somehow. But like her two big breakthroughs, you're right, are number one that she eats the goober or whatever that is, like that chocolate peanut butter thing that he gets her. Goo-goo cluster. Yeah, the goo-goo cluster. And then at the end of the movie, when she has that, like, I don't know, reminded me of the Bad Batch, Mike. Yeah, like where she just wanders out into the desert (laughs) and just stares up at the sky and then has a fever dream where she's, like, a healthy weight and sort of happy and then wakes up and that's her rock bottom. But that's all prompted by Lucas, too. Well, there's all kinds of weird shit happening at the end. Like, she goes back to her mom Mm. who, like, feeds her like a little infant and she regresses. Like, there's all this stuff comes flying at you at the end that I feel needed to be tapered out throughout the film like Dan said like through Keanu's therapy like through working with him one on one and not just from oh like I'm gonna put these kids together in this damaged house and they're gonna help each other out like that just kind of felt weird to me <laughs> like was that the plan like they'll just help each other out because 
it worked like a little bit for for some of them yeah it's like the only like keanu activity they really did was when he took them to like the art museum into the rain but i don't really know what that accomplished i mean he was like why are we here <laughs> and he's like because we're alive and it's like yes you've got you answered correctly now let's dance in this art exhibit i, I wrote a note down that said what's going on like what is this it's super cool to look at. Like, I wonder if yeah. they're like, hey, this is something that we could film and it's going to look cool because it looks cool. It sounds cool. There's like a cool song. I just... But it's confusing. I, like, you yeah, know, it's, it's meant it's to be... It's a forced be, metaphor. Exactly. Yeah, because then the kid starts dancing his ballet in the rain and everyone mm-hmm. like starts wandering through the rain and stuff. Then it's over and it almost feels like it was only there just because it was like pretty imagery. Uh, I didn't get anything from it. Maybe the character was supposed to. <laughs> but even afterwards, she's like pissed. She's like, oh, you're telling me life is beautiful? Cool, I get it. And it's like pissed. And like, that's when he's like, say fuck off to the voices or whatever. <laughs> I know what you're trying to do. Life's beautiful and all that shit. That upsets you because? Because it is. I mean, I... I know it can be. But I... I can't stop. And I don't even know why. I just... I just can't. Yeah, that's bullshit. That voice that says you can't. Every time you hear that voice, I want you to tell it to fuck off. Fuck off, voice! Which you should have said, like, on day one, was just to tell her to yeah. fuck off to the voices. Sure. More field trips, too, you know? Like, uh, that would have been cool if they took a bunch of trips and there were incidents. And, like, you know, there's one part I found, like, really interesting was when they go on that date to the restaurant together. Uh, yeah. You know? And she's, yeah. like spitting her food out in the napkins and they're pretending to be sort of like hospice patients or something like but but I really felt like the movie sort of found itself for a minute and it would have been cool to see these people with this affliction be forced to interact more like in public on field trips and stuff and like you know maybe be called out by strangers and you know have epiphanies and stuff at the zoo or whatever <laughs> i don't know but i, I was expecting well, yeah, more, more just that. more showing not telling right because they talk a lot about I guess that's, I mean, I don't, this is so far outside my realm of expertise or comfort zone or whatever. Like, I don't know anything about this world. And I don't know if this is, like, maybe this is what it's like. like. Maybe it is a lot of talk and not a lot of action. But I feel like when you're making it into a movie, I think because that works so well, because that date is a great scene or one of the better scenes, at least in the movie. And when they go to the Rain Museum, like, that's interesting to watch, at least visually. Do more like that as opposed to, I mean, I know that you have to have them sitting around like in that circle and have them eating at the dinner table, but find more ways in the middle to sort of get them out in the world and like see how, see how this impacts their life. Yeah. Yeah, I think it really comes down to the lack of Keanu in this movie is that they don't give him enough to do. So it's really just the kids hanging out and figuring this stuff out on their own. And if they had had more scenes with Keanu in there where he's taking them out, it would have felt more like the movie it wanted to be, if that makes sense. Like, this is a movie about anorexia and and sort of overcoming that. And Keanu is supposed to be this guy who can figure it out and he's not in it. So what's the point? Like, I was, I was left feeling like, what is the point of this movie? You know, I don't, I don't know. And I feel like if Keanu had been in the movie a lot more and been a more active role in the recuperation of these characters, 
it would have made more sense to me. But what was left is just sort of this weird romantic comedy of sorts with yeah. a lot of darkness to it. I agree because at the end when she's at the, in the tree and she's like having her fever dream and she just like looks down and I guess finally sees what she actually looks like and wakes up and she's like, I'm not dead. It's like, but yeah, but how did you come to that? You've been looking in mirrors your whole life and like I understand like maybe you're just now realizing it, but like what's the thing that made you do that? Right, I mean, at the, the beginning of the movie, her stepmother, who Carrie Preston is amazing in this movie, by the way. When she shows her the photo and says, like, is this what you think is beautiful? How is that moment different from the fever dream at the right. end? Exactly. Right? We all know you're not supposed to do that to people who have eating. You know, like, we, we, that's, it's, a, it's a cringeworthy moment. Like, we all watch it. And even though Carrie Preston plays it brilliantly, it's a terrible, awful moment. But there's no difference between her looking at that photo of herself at the beginning and then seeing her healthy self in that weird dream sequence at the end. But so, for some reason, that second sequence is what clicks for her. And I don't understand why that's the case. Well, because the whole thing at the end, right, is that Keanu says the problem with treatment for some of these kids is that we won't let them hit bottom. It's too hard to watch. But for Eli, she changes her name from Ellen to Eli because Keanu's like, hey, you should change your name. And she's like, yeah, that's a good idea, I guess. <laughs> he says, but for Eli, the bottom is critical. Like, that was her bottom? Like, yeah, I right. guess almost dying? Like, I don't... Right. Like, it's difficult to gauge, like, how far gone she is for me throughout this whole movie. It, it kind of seems like she's mostly doing well. Like, she doesn't have any spells or episodes or anything or hooked up to a feeding tube until, like, the last act, you know? Like, in the last 15 minutes, she passes out on a, in, a, like, a bus station or something. And I'm like, right. finally! Like, that... I don't know. I just feel like it spends maybe too much time away from her focal point, like her point of view. Right. Well, with all that, uh, the, the, the constant threat of the feeding tube is, is it's a theme throughout the movie. Like she's roomed with the girl who has the feeding tube and that's sort of uh, a cloud over her head throughout the movie. Like this is, this is going to be your future if things don't change. And then how is that not the rock bottom for her? I feel like that should have been the moment where that's her rock bottom. How, how was that not the moment for her? And, like, her progression through the movie of her getting worse, like, watching it for a second time, like, as she's measuring her arm, you do notice that her fingers do come closer and closer together. But that's really the only, like, signifier that she's actually losing weight. That and, like, the horrified look on Retta's face every time she gets on a scale, like, oh, hey, you're about to die kind of thing. But there isn't really... Other than that, you're right, there's no, like, spells. There's no sort of visual cue that she's actually not getting better. Right, there's really nothing that she hasn't learned to deal with already that happens to her. She's kind of prepared for everything until the weird moment when she allows her mother to feed her like a baby, which I don't understand that either. But, you know, <laughs> that's what's so weird, too, is like she when the movie starts, she's been like kicked out of a bunch of like facilities. And this is sort of is, are we meant to think that like this is her last shot or like I mean, like, are they ever going to stop? Like her family knows that she's hit rock bottom, but she can't see it yet. You're right. I don't see what's so different about this house that was about that one scene we saw in the beginning when she gets kicked out. You know, it just it kind of seems just maybe a little more chill. But for the most part, it, yeah, I don't get any sense that this is like extreme therapy or um, experimental or, you know, anything like that. No, they just say that Keanu is like the best. Right. I wrote a note down. It says everyone is selling Keanu's sort of crazy except for Keanu. Mm -hmm. 
it's almost just seems like in this world, these kids and these people who are suffering from these like disorders have always been coddled. And like, it's almost the like crazy eccentric part of Keanu is the fact that he's not coddling them and like cusses, but that doesn't really seem like much. Yeah, because a lot of these people seem like oh, the patients, like like the dancer kid that we don't like. But at least like he's got a history. Like he's a world famous, or at least like he's dances like with a very prestigious company, and he's only like nineteen in New Jersey, no less. Shout out to Jersey. And then you got like the Leslie Bibb character, who's clearly like ten years older than everybody else, at least like maybe mm-hmm. even more. So there's like color to some of the characters and things, but it's. Which is weird as to why the Keanu character isn't more out there or just more present, more just like omnipresent. Like it, I would think that his sort of experimental therapy thing would be to like live in this house with his patients, you know, and like that's the thing yeah. to be more hands on or to just be there around like serving food like Retta does. Like I love Retta. I wish she was in this more too. <laughs> I wish we found out that her and Keanu were like married and they ran the house together <laughs> or something. Oh, I want to see that. Movie. That would be, that would yeah, be that great. would be interesting for sure. Uh, he definitely certainly needed to be, it needed to be like his house, like go even I know it might be sort of like cheesier but like if you maybe made it a little lighter more like a sitcom premise like everyone's going to move into the doctor's house but then take it seriously from there on you know sort of like catch him off guard and it's like okay once we're in the house it's like his rules you know they're really weird and like but by the end of it you're going to be glad that you came through the other end yeah, I definitely feel like his lack of eccentricity would have been more tolerable, even enjoyable for me if he had been in the movie more. I think that's what bugs me is that he was built up to be this character that he really wasn't. But, you know, if, if he's going to be that no nonsense sort of, you know, fuck the voices sort of guy. OK, put him in the movie. Let him be an active influence on these characters instead of just sort of being this background character. One thing that I did really like about his character in this movie is that I maybe for the first time, people, like women, especially around him, point out how beautiful he is. Yes. There's that one like line. That the, yeah, you try yeah. to turn me straight? Well, yeah. When they're going to the, on the field trip, they're all just like swooning over him, which is something that for Zack Attack, we've talked about how like for so many movies, people treat Zack Efron like he's some kind of like ugly person. We're like, what? I don't understand. Like, it's just, or they don't comment on how he's like a perfect human being. Like, I, I just, it's strange. But here, I like maybe that's why maybe if that's the tone that they wanted to have maybe that's why they don't have him around more because everybody would just be like in love with him instead of trying to focus on their treatment but I just thought it was so funny that they're like you know everybody has a little comment about like how good he looks and how they're in love with him or whatever and I just I just it made me smile damn Dr. Beck you trying to turn me straight (laughs) that's a different program that made me think of the last few Cage Club movies we did. There's always like a female character who's like tells his character that he looks sexy or he's like hot yes. or he's like, damn, you're still looking good. And it's like Cage and like it's early Except 50s. this time it's not a lie. Right, exactly. Like that's the difference. It's like the opposite of what should be happening. I got to kick out a lot of that stuff myself. I mean, he, Keanu does look pretty good these days, but why is any of that necessary? I still don't understand. Well, it needs like the, I guess that's the comedy aspect. Like those are the I jokes. Guess. Like that's the levity. <laughs> it's that and the dancing kid who's just like, God, I need a break. Like just thinking about him. You know, Mike, we end phase one of Keanu Club. We've now seen everything that he's done. He's going to do, he's got a couple more, I think, coming out this year. But you know what I've been looking forward to since the very beginning, right? 
what I haven't gotten since the very beginning. Oh, Fat Keanu. This would have been the perfect movie for Fat Keanu. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's got more of a dad bod direction. You know, I, I wonder if this was after John Wick 2 was shot because he looks like he's kind of coming down from the gym and not really still going. I think he looks good in this movie. I'm not saying he looks bad. I, I just don't see him shooting 10 guys in the head over the course of like 90 minutes. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. It's like laid back John Wick. <laughs> Right. <laughs> this is like this right. is after he's got his seat at the table telling people what Or to no, do. this yeah. is like what he did while he was retired. Like while go. he was still yeah. married. You know, that that's why he's not married to Retta. That's why he's not around a lot, because he's with his wife. Oh my god. <laughs> this is like just like a middle part of John Wick. It's the Wickiverse. Take hold of this theory. This movie is what John Wick was doing when he retired from killing. What's his oh character's name in this? Is it John? Is it not John? <laughs> it just they call him Doctor Beckham. I, I never heard a first name. He's not credited with a. He first wouldn't name. go around calling himself John Wick, you know. So guys, hold on. <laughs> so Beckham, the C and the K in the same spot in the last name as Wick. I mean, Beckham, <laughs> it's a starting Wick, point. Wickham. I mean, and they they do call him Doctor Beck. Whew. It's enough for me. Just saying. <laughs> it's he's Doctor John Beckham. I've That's believed what it is. in I've believed in theories with less, you know put into it i'm surprised you guys even caught a name he was just dr keanu for me the entire (laughs) that's fine too i sort of ran out of things to say i liked lily collins suck my skinny balls sign at the top of the movie because that was like a hey it's funny we can laugh at this i guess yeah i'll say this i guess i feel like we've been focusing a lot on what we didn't like the stuff that i that i really did like was everything lily collins brought to the table for this movie i felt like her commitment to the character and the role just her entire performance was great. I admired all of the uh, the work to present eating disorders in a realistic light. Like I enjoyed kind of all these different characters who have different things going on. So we're seeing a little bit of all of that. Uh, I enjoyed the drama in this thing quite a bit. I just wish there was more of it. So I think Lily Collins is like top notch in this movie. She was really good in, what was that movie, Rules Don't Apply? Which was the Warren Beatty movie that was sort of okay. Yes. Uh, she was really good in that because I think she's really good in everything. In Oksha, she looks like uh, Run Lola Run. That's what I thought of when I saw her. She's got like the, red, the red hair, hair and the army yep. jacket and stuff. Because she's really good. And there's also Lily James, who I'm in love with from Baby Driver. The, we, had, we had a couple really talented young Lilies, yep. which is a name yep. you don't hear a lot of in Hollywood. So I like both of them. Well, who does she play in this? I didn't recognize Lily James. Oh, no, she's not in this. I'm just saying in life in general. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> just collective Lilies. <laughs> I was okay. going to say her, uh, Lily Collins' mother is played by Lily Taylor. Lily who Taylor, I yeah. Oh, man, all the Lilies. Oh, so you know what's one thing in this movie that I think it's a joke, but they say uh, somebody goes, or she supposedly goes to see uh, Zombieland and oh, yeah. and Shaun of the Dead. Well, yeah, it's, it's a, a Shaun of the Dead Zombieland double feature with oh, Beverly. Oh, oh, okay. And she says, Emma Stone's kind of fat, don't you think? And I saw something on Twitter this week. It was like Clickhole or something. I don't know why they did this, but it, it was, was like the 18... Onion. It was The Onion, 18 pictures of fat Emma Stone where they just like photoshopped her to look fat. And I was like, that's like art imitating life or life imitating art or something. That's an old article. I've seen that, I think, a year or two ago and it circulates. Yeah, but I know exactly what you're talking about. That's so funny. Weird coincidence. Uh, now I'm going to have to go have a Zombieland Shaun of the Dead double feature. I was going to say, who doesn't want to see a Zombieland Shaun of the Dead double feature at the new Bev? That place is amazing. I'm trying to think if there's anything else that I have to say about this movie. I don't know if I do. Darcy, do you have anything else to say about To the Bone? I don't think so. I mean, I you guys kind of hit a lot of the points that I had taken notes about. I, I mean, I liked it. I enjoyed it. I know a couple. I have a couple of friends who suffered from eating disorders, and I'm kind of curious to like watch it with them to kind of see 
their reaction or like how they feel about the portrayal of everything. It definitely could have used more Keanu, but I really liked his character in this. But um, yeah. Yeah, I don't recall there being a lot of movies about this, really, this uh, this subject matter. You know, you don't really see a lot of stuff like this out there, I feel, like when it comes to when, when you get away from like the Lifetime channel and things like that. You know what I'm saying? Like, usually I feel like it's regulated to cable television, you know, family drama type of stuff. Yeah. I'm kind of glad they didn't seem to like glamorize it or romanticize it because I heard a lot of people on Twitter especially sort of upset thinking that this is going to be kind of like 13 Reasons Why, which I didn't watch, but I heard that it sort of glamorized suicide in a way right. that was like not okay. And so I feel like a lot of people who sort of suffer with these like disorders and um, these kind of like mental health issues were kind of really like stressed about Netflix putting out something else with like mental health issues in it. But I haven't really heard too much backlash about to the bone as much as I did with 13 reasons why so it's it's interesting how they portray because I don't recall you ever seeing anyone throwing up or or any of that kind of stuff right like they talk about it a lot but they never actually show it there's a warning at the top of the movie oh yeah but there's but there's no like graphic anything besides just like her bones poking out through her skin right. which I know she lost a lot of weight for this but I also read that they use like makeup and prosthetics as well so it's not like she was actually that emaciated. She worked with a nutritionist before and after to lose a bunch of weight then healthily gain it back. So like I don't know how far she went like I don't know what percent or whatever however you would say this is CGI and how much is real but it is a combination like she did do a lot of work to sort of look the way she did they don't really show like the uh, the actual throwing up and you know other sort of things that people with eating disorders do but they i I was pretty surprised that they they went for the the miscarriage scene that kind of oh yeah pretty hardcore as far as showing consequences of of eating disorders and um you know so i mean i'll say it again that the drama in this movie the the dedication to the realism of eating disorders i i love that part of the movie and that scene in particular hit me pretty hard and i thought this is a lot of drama to be throwing into a movie with a character like lucas who's you know there for comic relief but yeah i so i i loved that commitment and so i when i saw the the disclaimer at the beginning of the movie i thought oh shit this is gonna get real and it did it delivered on that stuff and it was it was um true to life and respectful to that stuff so i feel like anybody who who watches this movie who might be suffering from eating disorder or know someone who's suffering from eating disorder can relate to it and appreciate the effort that went into those particular elements of the movie and that really all of the romantic uh, subplots is just a waste of time that's the only part i really don't like is like that was completely unnecessary but everything else was pretty great it kind of feels like it wants to be like the fault in our stars a little bit in yeah a way. and that's what and i didn't like about it you know what kind of vibe i got and i'm i mean i don't know like some, at one point in this movie it felt like the new power rangers uh if you guys have seen <laughs> the new power ranger movie but, i have like, i have no idea where you're going with well this, a lot of it is just like kind of sitting around and relating as a teenager and just like what's your mm. problems what are your problems kind of stuff and like i don't know there was a moment in here where i was like it's getting too sort of commercially light and sort of bouncy and I mean I don't wish there were more scenes like the Leslie Bibb scene but I mean I wish there was just a kind of a more darker edge to it that they sort of laid off of like the Jar Jar kid and everything like that because that kid was the Jar Jar Binks of this movie 
Yes, 100%. <laughs> like, there's no reason that kid should have been the one to solve the problem. Nope, but he was. All, all the things leading up to that scene where they finally start to get along, it's like Lily Collins is this badass who knows all the tricks, doesn't like anybody. Why this kid? Still don't know. A mystery. Because he has to, because the movie was written that way, is the only excuse I can come up with. Yep. I actually thought the movie was going to end. Like, I, this has happened to me a lot recently, too. You could go back and listen. Like, I swear, like, I, I thought the movie was going to end way earlier. There's always a scene where I think it's, like, perfect to end it. And I thought when when her mom was feeding her from the bottle, they should have just ended the movie there. I would have gotten everything I feel like I needed at that point uh, that she had hit rock bottom and she was sort of on her way back up. Her trajectory was on the way back up. But whatever, it, it kept going. It had that nice sort of like fever dream moment that I wish there was a lot more of that sort of artistic flair earlier set up earlier in the movie. Like maybe she has an episode and a vision and, you know, at the beginning as well and, you know, throw one in at the middle somewhere. And so we should have some balance um, with that kind of filmmaking style and stuff that, that would have been a little nicer. I don't, I don't know if I would have liked it if it ended right there with the, the the bottle feeding but i will say that i love that it where it, it, it did end on an uncertain note like she's gonna go back and and hope for the best and that's where it ends because you know people who have eating disorders it's a, it's an everyday struggle it's never really yeah. going to end it's just becomes you know this is a thing i'm gonna deal with for the rest of my life so i wasn't expecting it to completely resolve itself i did love that it ended with her choosing to go back and seek treatment Oh, you know, it's another weird tangent that we didn't mention, I don't think, that I was just looking at my notes, when her stepmom thinks she's a lesbian. Yeah, because her mom is? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, that actress is, she's just, she's so sweet throughout the whole movie, but she is just very, I feel like, naive, and is just trying to help, but like, really sweet about it, but also like, you never want to do what your mom likes or whatever, so... I liked her stepsister character, who was yes. like, a, you know, and Keanu pointed it out too, right? Is sort of she was like the only one who like isn't fronting on anybody about her feelings or anything. Like she's just like totally honest and straight, and looks perfectly healthy and all that stuff. It's almost like what um, the Lily Collins character—they're trying to say like this is more where she needs to be as opposed to where she is right now. So like we we have this character here to show you so what a quote unquote normal version should be and then that i guess then you can contrast with that um with the way that lily collins looks so we can see like okay when they're next to each other i i get it a lot more like when she's when she's out of the house next to healthy people um yeah you can totally see it more anybody else have any thoughts about to the bone because i think i'm bone dry (laughs) (laughs) i think i've covered everything that i had to say yeah same any thoughts on keanu in general yeah yeah, as we're wrapping up. So, I mean, so Darcy, have you seen all of his movies or are you still are they, are you catching up still? No, I'm definitely like working my way through. At first, my friend and I who sort of started it together, we were watching them together, but she herself is a doctor. So she's really hard to sort of like nail down to watch them. Does so she know started... Dr. Keanu? She... <laughs> not, pers- <laughs> not personally. But so I've just sort of like picked and chosen the ones that I really want to see. Like I've watched like Prince of Pennsylvania and I The Replacements right. is a favorite. And so, and I'll rewatch my favorites, like my own private Idaho and River's Edge and things like that. <laughs> you so, like the early Keanu, okay. River's Edge, yeah. food eater. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like now it's less about seeing every single thing he's in and more just sort of appreciating the roles that he's done that I love so much. Well, from two people who've seen everything he's done, if you find the ones that you love, just cherish those because there's a lot in between that yeah. are not quite worth the price of admission in any way, so... 
Yeah, I started the Watcher. I knew was going to be terrible, and I started that. <laughs> and I just like at the very like at the top of the movie, I was just like, I'm already lost. Like I don't know what's happening. Him dancing the yeah, Dragula is the best part, so you can just turn that yeah. off. <laughs> He's just, he's really bad at being a bad guy. And like the, the movie that I was so startled with when I first saw him be like kind of a bad guy was the gift because he's like using the N word and he's just like this really hateful person, which was really kind of startling to see. But I feel like he played that role really well. So do you have a least favorite Keanu Um, movie? I really have a lot of feelings about Something's Gotta Give because I don't know why anyone would choose Jack Nicholson over yes. Keanu Reeves. But, <laughs> well, okay, that's um... that's a that's a weird that's a weird problem to have with the movie, but I mean I get it. Yeah, I can't defend that choice at all, Joey. <laughs> Dan, how how much of his filmography do you think you've seen? Do you think you've seen half or not half? I would say I have seen the average amount of Keanu films. That's fair. And what are your what are your favorites and what are your least favorites? Okay, so I think about the time I first discovered Keanu like when he came onto my radar was probably the matrix so that was that still holds up for me uh point break I love as well I'll be perfectly honest his earlier stuff I have not delved into as much as I should uh, well if you're super into high school stuff there's like a 10 movie stretch where he's in high school uh, yeah. yeah have you like, seen Bram I, Stoker's Dracula yes I have and, <laughs> and he is the worst like choice for Jonathan. <laughs> That's Parker. on my worst list for sure. <laughs> Maybe like, a worst performance, but I really love the style of that film. Yeah, same. It's like beautiful, but like totally terrible. Yeah, like everything else in that movie, I love it, but like, it, why Keanu for Jonathan Harker? I don't know. I think Coppola um, was even like, I don't know why I hired you, but like, let's make it. <laughs> well, wasn't that movie like, wasn't that Winona Ryder's Dreamcast or something that he just wanted her to make it, and she's like, I'll do it if you let me cast everybody that I want to cast, and she just like liked Keanu. Or had a crush on Keanu, or was friends with him, and so oh, he God. was in the movie. Yeah, I have no idea. And which which Shakespeare movie did he do? Oh, Much Ado. Much Ado. Much Ado. That's right. Yeah. That one's pretty awful. It's you know like every time he speaks, he sh- I feel like he should be saying "dude" at the end of it, and so that doesn't quite work for me. I would not say that I'm a Keanu mega fan, but like I said, I've seen about the average amount of Keanu movies, and I do like him. I think he's he's kind of hitting his stride now, later in life, which is really cool mm-hmm. to see. So I'm happy to. See see him like as, I remember as a kid or as a young adult uh, getting into movies Keanu was sort of like uh, you know people would would take great joy in, in shitting on him and then I realized no he's kind of coming into his own right now as I'm getting older and appreciating this stuff so I'm really happy to see that I'm looking forward to more John Wicks and whatever it is he's doing now you know as strongly as you came to Tobin's defense you just sort of put down two of his I think probably near, at least much ado he loves much ado so I think that Tobin's gonna have words with you when he hears this episode Dan it's fine he and I have a love affair with Kenneth Branagh so <laughs> you do it, that'll temper any mal- I get Kenneth Branagh podcast coming to the Cage Club Podcast Network in the 2020s sometime. Probably <laughs> one of the best moments ever is Kenneth Branagh splashing through the fountain in Much Ado About Nothing. <laughs> I mean, it is just pure joy. Mike, what about you? Any last thoughts on Keanu Club? I mean, we've we've sort of made it clear that like uh, that. So the difference between this and Cage, aside from Cage being a star earlier and being in overall better movies, was that we did Cage Club in six months, and it took us almost a year and a half to do this. So it was a much slower process with like a lower average quality of movies. Yes. <laughs> What's but, left to say that we haven't said a lot of times? Exactly. I mean, it's hard to to even muster the strength at this point. Like, I did not expect to be so winded by the end of this. You know, we're we're like, let's go slower, take our time. But in the long run, 
it just felt harder, if that makes any sense. Like taking that just like heavy dosage of Cage just nonstop, just, you know, we didn't have time to sort of feel down about movies for a week and like not look forward to movies, you know, that we need to do. It's like, oh, we got to watch them, get them done, talk about them, like move on, experience it and just like get on with it. Like I kind of like that rapid fire pace a little more. We ran into a few more roadblocks than I was definitely expecting along the way here. Stay far away from Generation Um. Can you imagine if we didn't cut out the documentaries? Like, we would still be doing this for another three months. That was a capital idea that, that you know, <laughs> I, I think you were the brains behind that. Like, we had all those. I ended up watching them all, though. So, I mean, I don't know yeah. what you're talking about. Like, <laughs> I give the micro reviews to all, like, the documentary stuff. But they didn't need to be full episodes. Right. I feel like it was definitely worth it, if not for the discovery of Man of Tai Chi. You know, there, I, I could do a whole other episode of And Man Flying, of Tai- and Flying. Well, yes, of course, Flying. Wait, Darcy, have you seen Flying? I haven't. Um, oh, my God. But, no. <laughs> Top of your list. Like, that fast, fast track that. It's so, and Dan, you too, because I know exactly what kind of movies you like. You're going to love Flying. Flying and Man of Tai Chi, like, I'm okay with having watched 30 movies that I'm never going to watch again, even though I own them on DVD, just to get those two. What was so amazing about Man of Tai Chi is what a great director Keanu Reeves is. Like, and I don't, I say that with all sincerity, and Dan, you know, you know my tastes and what I watched and who I consider to be, like, good directors, you know, Joey as well. Like, I swear, man, like his one movie is better than lots of working directors, you know, constant work. Like, I think like his one movie is better than anything like Brett Ratner's done. And he's making tons of movies out there. And it's just like that movie's great. It was unexpected. It's really tight. It's interesting. It's action packed. And I just really want him to kind of be a director again for a while like go like we mentioned in that episode go the Ben Affleck route become like this part-time actor and move into like full-time directing I don't think it's ever going to happen but you know that's what I would love to see in the future is more movies directed by Keanu so now Mike should we announce the next podcast on this episode I mean, we may as well. I think as we talk about Keanu as a director, it's a good time to announce that the next guy that we're doing starting December 1st, because we have Cinemakers coming out in September, which we're doing directors, but December 1st, who's replacing Keanu is Ben Affleck, who I'm also sort of, as we think about this, sort of worried about kind of a lot of the stuff in the middle of his career. (laughs) But he's a guy who, like Cajun Keanu, the internet makes fun of and sort of says he's no good at acting. Sad Batman. Sad Batman. And he's, I think, like Keanu, given some of his best performances lately, and also like Keanu, became a director late in his career and arguably, like, is a better director. Yeah, I was just about to say that Ben Affleck is definitely one of those guys who is doing his best work now. Which is crazy, because he's done like 60 movies, and for him to like now in the last 10, like finally like figure it out, like, alright. And, and like good ones early, like Goodwill Hunting and other things, like, you know, some Kevin Smith work I really like him in, and Phantoms. I mean, he's done some good early work and he's been good in it, but it is sort of yeah, he's much better now, which is kind of kind of cool to see, so I'm looking forward to tracking that. Yeah, we've got some cool stuff in that one plan. Like, we're going to do a episode covering all five of his or six of his SNL episodes. We're also going to do Gone Baby Gone, even though he's not in that. So, I mean, like, we're going to do what we did here, but again for Affleck and just see if we can sort of vindicate him the way that we definitely did for Cage and we kind of did for Keanu. I'm excited for that. So thank you so much, Darcy, for joining us. And again, your Etsy is just search Darcy DuBose on Etsy or just search Keanu Reeves, right? And he comes up? Yep, exactly. 
thank you so much for joining us. We really loved having you here at the end of Kiana Club. Yeah, thanks for having me. And thank you, Dan. You can admire all of Dan's work at Cage Club Pod on Twitter. Every time you see a cool gif on there, it's because of him. I post some stuff on there, but he puts more effort and care into it. So everything that's good on there is him and everything else is sort of me. So well, I appreciate that. Thank you. And Dan will be back for Affleck. Darcy might be back too. We haven't talked about uh, whether she likes Ben Affleck or not. She might be back. Who knows? We might have scared <laughs> her off forever tonight, but uh, they're both here tonight. And so thank you both for here. And then Mike, thank you for doing Kiana with with me and we're gonna i mean we still we still record a podcast or two every week so i mean we're not going away anywhere but you know this is the end of chapter one we made it oh we gotta we gotta do the keanu awards oh do we <laughs> yeah well, we don't we have do. to was, i'm kidding i'm kidding but we course. did the cage club awards and we're gonna do the zeffies this fall so i mean we gotta figure out the keanu awards yeah the um, cage club were the golden peaches the golden hot dogs yeah we might have to do the golden hot dogs right because believe it or not guys hot dogs predominant throughout his film career you wouldn't wouldn't have expected how much hot dogs have come up over the past year for all things Keanu and Cage and soon to be Affleck and everything else you can go to cageclub.me or facebook.com slash cageclub or at cageclubpod on Twitter you can find all of the episodes for all the shows that we've done stories and news things that we post on there I just posted today that apparently in their off time like training for movies Keanu Reeves and Charlize Theron talking about Sweet November train together which is kind of awesome and super cool so back from you know their rom-com days now they're both action stars John Wick and Atomic Blonde and so that's cool that they're there together so if you if you care about our shows or just about the actors always trying to find cool stories to share in those things facebook.com slash cage club at cage club pod on twitter and cage me i'm joey lewandowski and i'm mike manzi and that was darcy dubose and dan cologne and we'll see you next time on keon club Fuck off, boys!